Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm Molly Gamble, Vice President Editorial, and today I'm delighted to spend time with Cindy Russo, who is President of Trumbull Regional Medical Center in Warren, Ohio. Trumbull is a 346-bed hospital within the Stewart Healthcare System. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Molly. Well, I just shared a brief introduction about you, Cindy, but can you take a moment and expand and share a bit more about yourself, your career, and your organization? Sure, be happy to. So I started uh, my career uh, many years ago, um, but I started as a registered nurse. Um, right out of high school, I went and got my bachelor's degree in nursing and um, was really thrilled to be able to do that and really thought I would spend my entire career by the bedside. And I look back on that now, and while I so value my roots um, and my opportunity to serve in that capacity, I don't know that I would be able to fill, fill that role um, with what our caregivers have to do today. I think back and, you know, the what, what we had to do um, then was just in no way in comparison to what our, our RNs and the rest of our caregivers have to do with regards to both the technology, um, meeting patient experience, um, you know, all of the, the new technology. It's just overwhelming. And on top of that with some of the shortages that we're seeing today. So, again, while I value those roots, I think, you know, somebody was watching uh, above to get me steered in the direction of management. I was um, proud to be able to take my first management position in a local community hospital that I had worked in, in a nursing capacity, and I was the manager of a patient care uh, unit there. And from there, I moved on to various different um, nursing leadership roles and then expanded more into some of the other clinical disciplines and then finally um, into more of the operations of healthcare, both in hospital settings, and then I also had the opportunity to work in other settings, ambulatory care, home care, et cetera. So I've you know, been so fortunate to be able to experience various um, settings of the, the healthcare system and experience um, different cultures and ways that people do things. So I'm just, you know, just feel so blessed in terms of the opportunities that I've had. Right now, as you shared, I'm with Stewart Healthcare and serving as the president of Trumbull Regional. And, you know, I just, I'm again, just so pleased to be here. Stewart is a large national um, company uh, with uh, 42 hospitals across the country. And there's two in our market here. We have Trumbull here in Warren, Ohio. We also have Hillside, which is our rehab hospital, um, also located in this area. And then right across the border, about 20 minutes away, is Sharon Regional um, in Sharon, PA, which is part of our system. And, you know, it's wonderful to be part of a, a large system in terms of the, the resources and the supports that yeah, you, you get through that mechanism um, and, you know, just couldn't be more happier to, to be in this position at this time. That's great. And you know what, Cindy, something strikes me about what you just shared there in that your background and having started in your career as an RN, you have such a healthy level of respect for how that job has evolved and changed. I think sometimes for leaders, if that's where you started, sometimes it's tempting to think that the position has been static. It's just as it was when you exited it or left it to become an administrator or an executive. 
but it sounds like you really empathize with the nursing workforce for the additional demands they now face um, that are, are different from when how it was when you first began. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I share just in terms of, you know, I think when I first got out of school, there were like five medications that were the primary ones we had to know, right? You know, um, Coumadin and Lasix, you know, it's, it's, and we could pronounce the names now. Now just medications alone, I'm, you know, you look at the variety and the, the complexity and the, the you know, it, it's just, it is amazing in terms of what our RNs in particular um, have to have to know in order to care for their patients with high quality and, and up, utmost safety. And then going back to the present moment, you are coming up now on your one-year anniversary as president of Trumbull Regional. So congratulations. A, a bit premature, Cindy, but um, it's a it's a milestone. I'm curious what has been the most fulfilling part of your first year at the helm? And then what, on the other hand, would you consider or what has been the most challenging in this first year? Yeah, well, you know, and, and not to not to sound really um, cliche in a way, but really the staff, the team that is here is just, it, I, I'm in awe every day in terms of what they do and I could not be prouder. I think, you know, as they work together as a team, watching as we went through sort of some of the tail end of the pandemic, right? And then um, emerging from that, um, just I, I just am in awe all the time in terms of how they've managed through um, that crisis and how they manage every single day. And on the flip side, when you talk about challenge, right? So the, the great part is, is the staff. The challenge is staffing right now. You know, we, we just have deficits in so many various disciplines. Um, it's just so hard to be able to staff um, the organization in the way that we want to. And again, though, I go back and even in these staffing um, deficits, the team that we do have um, just steps up to the plate and takes care of whatever they need to take care of despite these um, shortages. I think back over my career as well, too, when I say why this is even more challenging, you know, we've had deficits and, and shortages throughout my career um, in, in various fields. Um, you know, certainly uh, RN shortages across the years that we've had to deal with, but never can I remember a time when it's been almost every single discipline, right? Radiology, lab, um, pharmacy, you know, and nursing all at the same time, which has, I think, been the most challenging part. Happy to say we're, you know, coming out of that a little bit now and, and, you know, feeling better about how we're able to staff the organization. But it, it really has been challenging, but at the same time, just so fulfilling to watch um, our leaders, our, our chief nursing officer is phenomenal um, in, in terms of how she is so creative in, in managing some of this staffing with her team to take care of the patients in the best way that, that we can. And Cindy, I imagine a challenge there too is not only staffing the day-to-day -day and the brass tacks and tactical parts part of that. We're just trying to get through throughput and patient and keep access daily, mm -hmm. but also in the long term, I imagine something that you're probably encountering or is on your mind is this how it could over time develop this scarcity culture in an organization mm -hmm. where staffing starts to really feel like people are putting a lot of their intellect and cognitive muscles toward what are we short on? How do we figure this out? And then 
as a result, that can also hurt culture. It can hurt a lot of different things um, as a byproduct of that. Is that something that you thought through at all or, or on, on the defense of? Yeah, you know, it, it does it does weigh heavy, right? Because I think one of the things is, you know, we are just so consumed with managing day to day with what we have right now. To think out past the day is challenging in and of itself. But when I do have time to 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 just take a breath and and think about, oh my goodness, what is this going to look like, you know, a year from now, two years from now? Because we're not going to emerge from the staffing shortage, um, you know anytime soon, if at all, because things will change, right? But I do think that there are some opportunities emerging that we, we need to look at and take advantage of and not, you know, not say, oh, we can't do that just because we haven't done that before. Things like telenursing, you know, in, in, in all of my years, I would have never thought, right, that, you know, we could replace um, a nurse from being right by the bedside, right? But now we're seeing where folks are able to use the skills that they have, be able to remote in and help those that have to be, um, you know, here present with the patient to do things like, you know, admission assessments and and, um, other sorts of activities like that, that can be done remotely. So I think we have to just think about, okay, what are the lessons we've learned, especially through this pandemic, you know, and, and as difficult as the pandemic um, has been more than anything else I've experienced in my career, certainly, we also took away some good things from it, right? I mean, I remember beforehand, we were trying to, you know, look at um, telemedicine, and there were just all kinds of barriers all over the place on why we couldn't do it. Well, the pandemic hits, and now telemedicine is, it's you know, second nature to us. So I think, you know, we have to think outside in the absence of, you know, having to do it during a a major crisis, have to think about, okay, we know this is upon us, this this shortage, this deficit, you know, this this knowledge base that, you know, has has left the field. How are we going to manage around that in a very different way than we've ever done before? Mm -hmm. But finding the time to do that, I think, is is the challenge for all of us. I can only imagine. And Let's talk to you about, in addition to staffing and ensuring that that is solved for a daily, but also, like you said, flexing some creativity to try some new solutions. Let's talk to you about the most pressing needs that your patient population is bringing to Trumbull. What are those most urgent health needs, Cindy, and then how is the hospital really aiming to meet them? Yeah, well, you know, I think... um this somewhat coincides with, with, you know, the staffing shortages. We're seeing it even in the, in the provider areas, right? And I think just access to preventative and primary care is just one of the things that's, that just is so challenging and, and um, needed in our environment here. And, you know, one of the things is, is we are so fortunate to have um, an affiliation with Western Reserve Health Education at Trumbull, and so we have a residency program in family medicine and internal medicine and in surgery. And so we have a number of residents coming through to us and our, our the faculty, the, the providers that we have that work with the residency program to teach um, these residents have just done a phenomenal job. Western Reserve has had a 100% pass rate for many years now, which is, is you know, just just a, such a credit to 
both the leadership of the program as well as then the faculty. But that being said, we are challenged because a number of the residents come in are, you know, international um, students have come in as international students. And because we're not in a designated rural area, which is so surprising to me, um, but we're not. And so to be able to help them with their visa issues after they complete their residency is difficult. So we have not been able to retain the residents that we've that our team has um, worked hard at getting trained and building relationships with. And so then we find ourselves with deficits in our community around that primary care. And um, as I said, you know, which, which is that preventative care to help folks stay well versus having to seek us um, when they're in, you know, the most need. That's, that's so frustrating. You put in the work upstream to develop relationships, like you said, train them, and then they leave the organization, they leave the community. It it sounds like from what you said, Cindy, because it's not Trumbull County is in a designated rural area, that it sounds like that is a technicality um, that really Mm -hmm. comes back to, to hurt the residents in terms of retention at Trumbull. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yes, I, I would say, and you know, we are working with. I think there's a way. There's ways for us to manage through some of this, but again, it's you know, it's it's not so clear cut. So we've we've been working with our um our state and with some of the individuals you know that that can help us with some of these things. And there's ways to 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 manage it. Um, there's certainly a, a number of waived positions that are allowed within each state. And so we're trying to secure those doesn't mean we're going to be able to, but, you know, we will work our hardest to do that. But, you know, it just really is amazing to me that we we are not designated in that way and can't retain these individuals. Because when we look at our the patients that come into our emergency department, I'd say close to 50 percent of them come in with an unidentified or unknown PCP. So when they come in and we register, and certainly we ask that question, as I said, there's there's probably at least 50%, if not more, that come in with an unknown or unassigned PCP. One of the things that we are doing right now, though, to, to help um, with that challenge, though, is as those individuals um, are leaving and being discharged from the emergency department, we are... Uh, talking with them about the importance of primary and preventative care. And because we're fortunate to have the relationship with the residency, asking them if we could get them, um, you know, an appointment with one of our family medicine um, docs in our clinic. So we're trying to uh, really secure each individual with a primary care doc while we can. That being said, when you look at the numbers, we just don't have the, the number of primary care physicians, whether it be internal medicine, family medicine um, in the area to accommodate all of these patients. I'm glad you brought up the story and the example about the international students, the the visa issues, the non-designation as a rural area, because it helps us remember that this physician shortage has so many layers that really contribute Mm -hmm. to a deficit of physicians or uneven distribution of them throughout the U.S., especially for rural or non-major urban areas. Cindy, so I, I, I empathize completely. It sounds like this is a patchwork of a problem we have in our country. Yeah, I would say, and you know, certainly primary care being the gateway, right, into into the health system for 
um, patients, but it clearly is not the only area where there are um, gaps of service and, and deficits in, in providers. You know, other areas like uh, neurology, um, psychology, pathology, you know, we, we struggle not just here, you know, folks may say given, you know, our location where we are, you know, maybe we have a tougher time recruiting. And I have to say, that's not necessarily so. We've, we've been very fortunate with the high-level, high-quality physicians that we and other providers that we've been able to recruit here because of some of the good work that happens at Trumbull. But there's just across the country just significant deficits in some of these specialty areas as well. I wanted to shift gears just a little bit. We saw throughout the pandemic, so many health systems and hospitals put capital improvement projects or construction on hold. Trumbull, however, recently unveiled some facility improvements and modifications. I was hoping you could tell us a bit more about that project, Cindy, and what it entailed. Sure, sure. Well, and, and, and again, you know, we, um, I guess, for un took some unfortunate and uh, made it into a, an, a, a fortunate situation. So um, when the pandemic started, you know, most of us had to curtail our, our elective surgeries, right? And so our eighth floor here was dedicated to orthopedic um, patients. And so when those volumes started to decrease, and then on top of that, with the staffing shortages, we closed our eighth floor and um, had to consolidate a number of our, our other areas because of the staffing situation that we were up against. Well, I am happy to say that um, as of a couple of weeks ago, we've been able to secure um, the appropriate level of staffing. That, when I say appropriate level, you know, our nurses were carrying patient loads that just, you know, um, were not were not good, right? And not good for patients, not good for our staff. And yet, they continue to do it, and they continue to care for our staff, uh, our patients, in a very safe and and way and with quality but it just wasn't where we needed to be. Well, we are at a point now where we do have the staff um, on board to be able to, and as I said, two weeks ago, reopen that eighth floor that had been closed for so long. And it was one of our newly renovated units prior to closing, which, which again, just made it so much more difficult that that was the unit that had to be closed. So we've opened that um, up, as I said, two about two weeks ago now. And um, what that has afforded us to be able to do is put patient, all patients in private rooms. And which again, for patients, that's such a satisfier with regards to privacy and comfort and, and you know, just their overall experience with us. But what a staff satisfier as well too, as they're trying to care for their patient and being able to have that additional um, space in that one patient's room and dedicate their time to that that patient. So that has been just so um, such a huge improvement for us. It has also allowed us to open up capacity in our emergency department because what was happening, we were, you know, capacity constraint in our inpatient units. We were holding um, patients as boarders, inpatient boarders in the emergency department. Patients who were waiting in the emergency department to be seen would get frustrated and leave. And, of course, that was very concerning to us. Um, one, you know, uh, we did not want them to have that experience with us. But more importantly is if truly if they needed care, we were, you know, we wanted to make sure that they, they received that care. 
So that has turned that entire situation around too. So it really um, has made a big, big, big difference. The other thing that we've recently been able to do, and actually this week um, was the kickoff of our new dialysis program. So we are now um, bringing our dialysis in-house. We had previously uh, been reliant on an outside vendor to provide our dialysis treatments for inpatients. And um, for various reasons that the, um, that provider um, terminated uh, services with us, but you know what, in the end, it ended up being um, wonderful for us because we've been able to now partner with this new um, company called Outset. Their machines are called Tableau. And what we've done, we bring the machines in and now we have trained our own staff to be able to provide the dialysis for those patients. And why that's wonderful, the machine, first of all, um, takes the place of a couple of different machines that the other company used to use. They're brand new, state-of-the-art. The, our physicians have had the chance to take a look at them and, and really have endorsed their use. And the other is by having this in-house with our own nursing staff, it allows us not to delay treatments at all right, before being reliant on an outside company who, who provided us good service, um, certainly during the time that we had, uh, were in, um, in partnership with them. But still, you know, we were reliant on them for when they could come and service our patients. Now we're able to care for the patient um, as soon as um, that need arises. So that's just been another great addition for us here at the hospital. We've also brought on a new cardiothoracic surgeon and um, have improved some uh, uh, processes in, in our, our cardiac cath lab with new um, products like the Impella device and Shockwave that is allowing us to be able to bring more um, acute and complicated patients um, into our hospital. Previously, we would need to transfer those patients to other uh, hospitals. And, you know, obviously that's not a satisfier for patients because, you know, they're leaving their community, uh, their family and loved ones um, having to drive to, to visit them. And certainly for our physicians wanting to make sure that those patients um, return to them for care of service and um, wanting to make sure that they were getting um, cared for in the best way. So now with these new improved um, devices within our cath lab and with the expertise of our, both our cardiologists as well as our new cardiothoracic surgeon, we are just able to um, keep those patients here locally and care for a much higher um, level of need um, for those patients that we are caring for. A number of improvements you just shared there, uh, whether it was regaining the space of the eighth floor after COVID-19 really put it on pause and made it not as, as usable as you intended, um, bringing dialysis in-house, dialysis in bringing a new cardiothoracic surgeon, like you said. Mm -hmm. And today, it sounds like as you walk, talked through all of these changes and improvements, it sounds like what has been really important is making sure the spillover effects are positive, whether it's for the emergency department, like you mentioned with the eighth floor for patients, mm -hmm. um, so they don't have delayed treatments with dialysis being in-house now. So they sound like really strategic changes. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, for us, it's really around, I think, a few things. One is um, keeping care local for our community, right? It's so important for us to 
be good partners in this community because we've got um, great partners um, within the community that help support us. So it's very important for us to do that. And with that, making sure that we're taking care of then those community members who need our, our care. And with that, as we think about it, we want to make sure that, um, as I think I said before, just making sure that we have the, the access um, to services that uh, patients need and that we continue to focus on what those needs are, right, and really bringing some of uh, the state-of-the-art um, technology equipment um, to our hospital in order to service those needs. Well, Cindy, I want to thank you for your time today. You have really shown us how much you've achieved in just less than a year as president of Trumbull, in part with your great team, like you described, and then still you touched on all the work that remains um, with staffing, with physician shortages, and, and many other headwinds for healthcare leaders like you um, are facing. So I want to thank you for just a great overview of what's been occurring at Trumbull in Warren, Ohio. I wish you the best of luck as you move into your second year of leadership with the organization. Oh, thank you, Molly. I really appreciate. Thank you for for taking the time to hear about the wonderful things that are are happening here. But you know, one thing is, I I cannot um, take the credit at all. Really, it is the team here and the support through our system that just makes it all possible.